Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice five days a week with your hosts, Russell Wilcox and Ben Shank. Hello, Meister fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode. Before we actually talk to our guest today, we want to tell you about week three, which is the final week of our gear giveaway. Ben, how do you win the rest of this stuff? Step one, share the episode on Facebook. Step two, tag us in your Facebook post. Step three, wait for a Facebook message from us at the end of the week. And now let's welcome today's guest on Mountain Meister. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mountain Meister. This is Ben. Hey, guys, it's Russell. Today on the show, we have Nick Connect. Nick was brought up at the base of the Sierras and lives in Reno, Nevada. And in addition to having a really fun name, Nick Connect manufactures skis for Moment, one of the fastest growing craft ski companies in the industry. Nick, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So you're kind of a weekend warrior, except your day job is producing the things you love. So when the weekend rolls around, how cool is it to be skiing on the product that you produced earlier in the week? Uh, it's it's pretty spectacular, actually, to be a part of that whole process, you know. And then then a big pow dump, you know, hits the Sierras, and, and you can go out and, and ski on the funnest skis I've really ever been on. You know, I've, I've skied all kinds of different skis, and I have to say that it I wouldn't choose anything over moments simply because they are the funnest ski to be on. So when you get a big powder day, does your boss let you go out or is he pretty strict? <laughs> He's a skier himself, so he knows what's up. He knows that when, when the snow is falling, you got to get out there. So it's pretty cool. Nice. So let's back up a little bit and tell us how you got involved in the outdoors and became a skier and wanted to kind of make it your lifestyle. I mean, I was pretty much raised you know, doing outdoor activities. Um, I was in the Boy Scouts and my mom loved doing stuff outside. You know, she was always dragging me around outside, even when I didn't really want to go and do stuff. You know, later in life, it became really just important to me to spend time outside. And I felt a really solid connection to the outdoors. A little bit of a backstory for the listeners. Back in 2005, when Nick was actually 15, his mom passed away in an avalanche on Anderson Peak, which is about an hour drive outside of Reno, Nevada. Could you walk us through that day and talk about how it's shaped your life? Yeah, sure. Um, So they stayed overnight at, uh, I believe it's called the Benson Hut. I think there was a group of about 10 of them. And uh, she called me early that morning. I was staying over at a friend's house, and she just called to say hi and tell me that some fresh snow had fallen and that they were going to go out and ski it. And um, and there she went. But, um, you know, it, it's really, it's completely impacted my life 100%. I wouldn't be close to where I am unless that event had happened. I wouldn't be close to who I am had, had that event not happened and um it's kind of interesting because you know i really like where i am and i like who i've become 
And um, it's 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 weird to say that you know without that event happening, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here. But but then again, I would, I don't know anywhere else that I would rather be. So it's it's kind of strange, but you know that's life. Now, did this event ever turn you off to the industry? So yeah, um, like you guys said, the event happened when I was 15. I was a freshman in high school, and um, from then on until you know for the next about five years, I pretty much stopped doing everything outdoors. I I couldn't find interest to go skiing, even though I was brought up on skis, you know, every weekend, and I kind of stopped backpacking, you know, doing doing all that stuff. And it wouldn't be until my sophomore year of college that I came back to Reno. You know, I kind of had an awakening that, you know, I need to be where I feel best and, and the outdoors and nature just became really important to me. It was kind of a connection to my mom. And, and I found that when I was outside doing things in nature, you know, I was, I was truly content with life. You know, everything was okay none of the problems really existed. So um, I moved back to Reno and pretty much decided to make it my lifestyle to to do everything I can to get outside. And, uh, you know, with skiing, hiking, backpacking, whatever, and uh, kiteboarding recently, my lifestyle has been based primarily around those things. So, yeah, let's talk about the the process of manufacturing a ski because we haven't really had the opportunity to ask any of our guests that. And you're basically the perfect person to do so so first of all most skis are made of wood correct um yeah i mean most skis to my knowledge have a wood core there's variations though it could be foam there could be metal added to the wood so there are all sorts of materials i guess but moment specifically wood core what kind of wood are you using uh we use a few different types of wood primarily each ski will have some aspen in it it also may have some pine or some ash in there, and that affects the character of the ski, you know, the liveliness or the dampness, kind of what we want. And we've also played around with some different types of woods, such as polonia in place of the aspen, because polonia is a lighter wood, yet it retains all of the similar characteristics that the aspen has. We're able to lighten up the ski while maintaining performance which is a cool thing we've also played around with some balsa and we've looked at some foam cores but we still just use the wood so when you guys are analyzing what the best materials are are you creating prototypes that you can go ski on and then you're saying okay these feel good or is it more analytical models that you're making of the skis and so you're testing out many different variations how does that design process work so really our testing process involves coming up with an idea building it and skiing it and going from there seeing how it feels on on the snow we don't do a whole lot of truly analytical testing I, yeah, sure, there are benefits you can get from that, but that's not necessary for creating, you know, a fun ski. You'll know it's a fun ski because it's fun when you ski it, not because it provides you with certain characteristics on a computer or something like that. Do you ever watch the show How It's Made, Russell? 
Yeah, Felix, sure. I love that show. We're in an That's ep- a great show. We're in an episode of how it's made right now. <laughs> well, okay, so you test out the ski, you take it to the slopes, and okay, so I'm going to give you a scenario, and you tell me how you would fix the problem if you would encounter that. Let's say the ski feels too heavy. What do you do? The ski feels too heavy. Well, you can try, you know, thinning out the profile, making it have less wood in the profile, but then again, that's going to soften it up. Mm -hmm. So then you look at what's going on with the fiberglass and the carbon. Can we take out some fiberglass and maybe replace it with carbon while still maintaining the performance that we want? Or, okay, maybe that's when we start playing around with the balsa core. Is this going to work for what we want? And is it going to ski the way we want? So... Those are kind of the primary ways of lightening up a ski. Okay. And now how about the ski isn't turning fast enough? Then that comes down to the side cut and the camber of the ski. Really the side cut, which is if you're looking at the ski, you're standing on the ski, Mm -hmm. um, you're looking down on it. It's the the radius of the curves on the inside and outside of your skis. Mm -hmm. So if it's... I believe you said if it's not turning fast enough. Yeah, you want to cut it down some more, get it, get it yeah, more shape. Mm-hmm. You want a smaller radius, which creates more curve on the sides of your skis, and um, you're going to be able to make a sharper turn. Mm-hmm. Or you can throw in some tip rocker, which often helps initiate the turn. It kind of creates a, a tighter radius up at the front of your ski. When you get on edge, it gets into that tighter radius and brings you into the turn. Yeah, it seems like in the last, I don't know, three or four years, the rocker, so you have like a opposite camber to a traditional carving ski. This new rocker design is really popular. Could you maybe explain that a little bit and what the benefits are to this this kind of rocker? Yeah, so almost every ski on the market has some sort of rocker in it. And this, you know, a lot of skis have traditional camber underfoot where, you know, if you hold them together, the skis bow out Mm -hmm. from each other. Mm -hmm. And rocker is basically the reverse of that. So it maybe it'll curve up more at the tips and the tails, or it'll be completely opposite where only the underfoot sections of the skis are touching. And uh, to the tips and the tails, it's all bowed away from each other and the benefit of this um there's there's many benefits actually you know park skis powder skis all mountain skis you know can all have reverse camber rocker and benefit powder skis it helps the skis stay afloat in the powder rather than wanting to nosedive and ski beneath the snow they they remain on the surface of the snow it makes skiing easier and more fun and all mountain ski is going to benefit basically like I said, from that ability to initiate the turn and kind of deflect over crappy, hard snow that's in your way. Park skis have rocker. It enables the park skiers to press butter and do certain maneuvers without catching their edges, you know, either on a jump or onto a rail or a box or that kind of thing. Yeah, you mentioned powder skis and people really wanting these powder skis and the rockers and this, but Ben and I are in the East Coast where powder isn't really as big of a 
I mean, we love powder, but usually it's wet, it's heavy. We we almost try to avoid it in a lot of cases. It's the snow that gets mm-hmm. you good at skiing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what would you recommend for an East Coast skier like us? Would you still put us on a rocker-type ski? Does it have groomer-type benefits as well? Yeah, I mean, I've found that almost every ski, you know, with rocker has the potential to ski really well on a on a nice flat groomer. It's still easy to get on that edge and, and make a nice turn. You know, it, it kind of comes down to preference then for those, you know, who aren't going to be skiing on powder because if you have rocker in the tail, for example, the moment PBJ, it's going to allow you to, to smear your turns a little bit. It's going to create a little bit of a looser feel, but it also has traditional camber underfoot, which gives you that carvability. Yet we have the Tahoe, which has a traditional tail with no rocker. And that gives you a really solid carve every time you get on edge. And it really comes down to preference. But yeah, you could definitely enjoy a, a rockered ski on firm snow. There's no doubt. So to take a step back, or I guess look at this from more of a bird's eye view, if you look at the industry, and Russell and I went to a couple of trade shows, and you know, it's not like this is an untapped industry. There are a lot of people making craft skis in the United States, when it comes down to it, what is Moment doing differently than those other companies? Um, well, we have Square Tips, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that catches a lot of attention. It's truly a, um, an aesthetic thing we do, though. It's, it doesn't serve much function. Mm-hmm. It just looks cool and it's <laughs> unique. We're also always trying to innovate, come up with something new, something unique in the industry that progresses the game or changes the game a little bit. For example, we have this technology currently called Triple Camber. We're one of the only, if not the only, ski companies in the market using this technology. It's hard to explain you know, over, over this, but um, you'd have to look at a picture that has multiple camber points throughout the ski, creating a really solid edge hold, yet gives you tremendous versatility on a wide ski such as the moment death wish (laughs) i do not want to ski on the moment (laughs) trust me you do speaking of the moment death wish and then also a couple of the other names that i saw let me see if i can find them here the exit world and the ghost train those are pretty scary names and the graphics are also kind of scary too what is Moment trying to communicate with these names and scary, scary artwork? <laughs> We're not trying to scare people. It's, um, it's just kind of a style. And, you know, we think that our skis look awesome. We, we get these insanely talented artists working on our skis and coming up with these graphics. And, um, yeah, sometimes the stuff is a little, it's a little rough, you know, but, but we think that's okay. We're, we think it's cool, you know, it's it's different, it's edgy, you know, not, you look at most skis out there and they just kind of have racing stripes going up and down with a few little doodads here and there. And then you look at moment skis and they're these intricate pieces of art that you can look at from top to bottom, up and down, t- 
time after time and it, it remains interesting to look at you don't really get used to it so that's what we like about it it's fresh it makes sense when ben and i were trying out these skis actually we had some pretty scary ones they had a couple skulls staring at us while we were skiing which was which we remember like it's burned in my brain right now i don't know (laughs) but where do you find an artist with this kind of creativity for skis well uh luke jacobson at moment he's responsible primarily for um the art direction and you know he's he's really good at finding these these people in the industry or different industries but um max Luis miller he's a good friend of moments and he's an all-star artists of this sort he's really good at capturing emotion and just kind of a sense of wonder in in his his artwork he's the all-star behind a lot of the really edgy graphics and then christopher everhart is right there with him okay so we talked about a lot of skis today but we like to recommend just one for our listener what's a really solid all mountain ski for a moment that you would recommend for our listeners Okay, so without a doubt, 100%, it's going to be the Moment Deathwish. Right. Uh, it's the best ski that we've come across that will kill it in the powder, yet it will kill it on the groomers, and it will kill it on the ice. It's because of that triple camber that I was telling you yep. about. Mm-hmm. It makes for an insanely versatile ski, and um, you're going to be able to have fun in any condition, anywhere on the resort. Excellent. Well, to our listeners, if you'd like to kill it on the Death Wish or any of other moment skis for that matter, you can visit our website, mtnmeister.com, to find a special promo code for 50% off of 2013-2014 skis. Check it out on the Meister Deals section or on Nick's Meister profile page. Cool. Yeah. And uh, to wrap this up, we have one more topic we wanted to bring up, just some of the challenges that you actually run into being a smaller company in the industry, what are some of the challenges you have? Yeah, that's, that's uh, really difficult. You know, there's these established companies like Atomic, Solomon, K2. They've been around forever. They, they produce huge quantities of skis to every ski market out there. And so their cost per ski is insanely low, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, our cost is higher and, you know, any hiccups that come along in the production process are going to affect us at a higher cost. And additionally, you know, these big companies have all these resources mm-hmm. to put in magazine ads. You know, you'll see an atomic ad in, you know, almost every single magazine, every single issue or, you know, one of the big brands. And that's a lot of money. Whereas, you know, for us to have one ad in one issue, we're really proud to do it costs us a lot of money just for that one ad the marketing aspect is difficult as well but we you know we try to let our product speak for itself yeah economies of scale it's powerful but at the same time you guys are moving fast you're much more nimble than they are so that that's true we're, we're able to really react and progress much faster we don't have to think quite as far ahead mm-hmm. in planning like we've said we can make a ski one day cut it out the next day and skied on that third day. Whereas in a big company that could take, you know, weeks or months for, for a prototype to reach its, its test skiers. Yeah, definitely. And also the ability for you guys to be able to take a little bit more risk on your graphics too, which mm-hmm. a lot of bigger companies may not be doing. It seems to be paying off for you. Yep. That's, that's very true. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we'll put 
all the different resources that we talked about on your Meister profile on our website, mtmmeister.com. And uh, you can also check out momentskis.com for more information. They have a blog. They have videos. We'll throw a, a link to a video of how to actually manufacture skis, and it walks through their full process. So thanks again, Nick, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks a lot. This was cool to be a part of, so thank you. Thank you, Meister fans, for listening to today's episode with Nick Connect. Man, he's got a cool job. And a cool name. (laughs) Join us tomorrow on the show when we have Nick Farrell. Nick is a professional ski jumper. Yeah, Ben, do you ever wonder what it's like to fly? I do. Nick basically does the closest thing that there is to flying. That's no exaggeration. His longest jump is over 200 meters, not feet. That's over two football fields. And he's our first Olympian on the show. That's true. Join us then.